Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to everybody and welcome to Swinging from the Hips. We're up to episode number 19 and today on the show we'll look back at England versus Pakistan. We'll review that third test uh, in the series and we'll also look at the series and review that. Um, We'll follow that by by looking at the T20 series between England and Pakistan that will follow. Um, We'll also uh, have a look at the CPL table. Move on to the Aussie squads that are going to be replacing Pakistan once they've finished their series. And if we've got time, we might look at a few other things too. But um, we'll get the other guys in. Well, we've only got Taryn on at the moment, so uh, we'll get Taryn on board. And how are you doing, Taryn? Good, Ashwin. How are you? Good. Uh, not too bad, not too bad. And you're ready to come out of lockdown? Yeah, yeah. Look, it's uh, <laughs> quite easy to get used to, eh? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It is actually quite easy to get used to. Not too difficult, really, is it? No, no, it's amazing how um, quickly you get your body adapts to Depth. doing very little. Yep. <laughs> you still fill so, up your day pretty quickly, so yeah. The only the only problem is, is the, the the schooling the kids. Oh, luckily I'm not I'm not smart enough or um, I don't know trusted enough to look after the kids, so I don't have that role <laughs> in the household. Falls into the wife's bucket. Anyhow, we'll move on to um, the show in terms of this week in history, and we'll move uh, moving on to the twenty second of August. And in two thousand eleven, England complete a whitewash against India at the Oval. Sachin Tendulkar and Amit Misra batting on the last day looked like they'd engineered a bit of an escape, but when Tendulkar fell nine short for what would have been his hundredth international hundredth, five wickets fell for twenty one. And that basically started to seal the deal there for England. Graham Scott Swan, who came late into the series, picking up nine wickets in the match. And in 1935, the last day of the of the last test before World War II started, and that game petered out into a tame draw in front of 9,000 spectators. The match was between England and the West Indies. And as I said, it was the last match uh, until the test between Australia and New Zealand at the Basin Reserve on March in 1946. So there was a gap, obviously, during World War II from 1939 through to 1946 when there was no Test match cricket played. Moving on to the 23rd of August in 
2009, and Ricky Ponting became the first Australian captain since Billy Murdoch. Remember Billy Murdoch in 1890? To lose the Ashes twice in England. England, led by Andrew Strauss, clinched the series 2-0 by beating Australia within four days at the Oval. Or sorry, that was in four days, not within four days. Moving on to the 24th of August, 1971. Sees India secure their first Test win in England. After conceding an innings, first innings lead of 71 to England, India bowled out England for 101, England's lowest score against India at the time. India got to the 173 runs required for victory with one and a half days left. So not, not within that one. They have one and a half days to go and score their 173 runs, and they managed to get that with about a session to go. It also gave India the series win 1-0 and ended England's record run of 26 official tests without defeat. That's yeah, great. Okay. Yeah, that was, that was quite surprising. I, I thought it was quite surprising when I saw that England had gone 26 tests without defeat. Um, I'll just bring Taz in, who's actually joined us as well now. So uh, bring him in. Good evening, Taz. How are you doing? Good evening. Good. I've been good. Yeah, I've been kicked out of the living room, so I'm here in the, in the garage. And, and the great thing about being in your garage is we've got awesome bats in behind you. And it and just it's not gets you wanting to get in the net. What's that? It's not just a it, backdrop. Exactly. It's not a backdrop. <laughs> it's it's stock available for you to go out there and purchase. <laughs> Just moving on with the carrying on with history in 2015, and Kumar Sangakkara signs off his Test career not quite the way he wanted to sign it off, scoring only 32 and 18 and going down in a heavy defeat to India. 19, moving on to 1972, and Dennis Amos playing against Australia scored the first ODI century, and that was score he scored 103 off 134 balls. Uh, he also went on to score the second ODI century, and that was against New Zealand in, I think it was the 73 World Cup. 25th of August now in 2019, after scoring only 67 in the first innings against Australia, they, England went on to become the first side in 131 years to win a test after scoring less than 70 in the first innings. Also a match where Australia had one hand on the urn as England had one wicket left with an hour, over an hour to play, and Jack Leach, England's number 11, walking out to the crease. In that just over an hour, Jack Leach scored one run. But while he scored that one run, at the other end, Ben Stokes scored the runs needed to take England to victory and take that urn and take the series in the urn. Now, the interesting thing in that match was uh, Ben Stokes also a, a, a classic, we'll say a classic reverse slog sweep off um, the Australian spinner, my mind's gone blank, uh, for six. So it was a uh, yeah, pretty impressive innings from Ben Stokes, but that's what we've come used to. Meanwhile, on the same day, same year, in the Caribbean, Jasper Boomer took five for seven, and the West Indies were bowled out for 100, achieving India's biggest away win based on runs. And moving on to our last day in today, in our week, this week in history, 27th of August, 1908, Probably one of the biggest days in cricket in our sport, arguably the biggest name in cricket, makes his way onto the world, into the world. Donald George Bradman is born in Kutumundra in New South Wales. And uh, yeah, obviously his arrival changing the way that cricket was played as well and the, some of those amazing records that he's got. And then to the last one, 2016 record total for a T20 match. 
tweet, 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 hen, 20, with India and West Indies scoring a combined total of 489 runs and 32 sixes, which was also a record. West Indies scored 245 runs off their 20 overs. India looked like they'd wrapped up the win with only needing two runs off the last ball. And who would you want out of the Indian cricket team on strike? Two runs needed, one ball left. Mahindra Singh Dhoni, and he's on strike, but he only managed to get an edge to third man, short third man, and was caught, and the West Indies won by one run. And that was the first international that India had played on in American soil. So that was a would have been a, a, a fantastic match to see. And Taryn, you remember a lot of cricket. Do you remember seeing that one? No. <laughs> the, timing, <laughs> the timing, the international times, are, I mean, the American times are not very conducive to viewership. No, no, they're not always that conducive, not at all. Depending, also depends on which coast they play it on as well. I'm not sure where that game was actually played, whether it's so I'm assuming in America, right? Yeah. I'm they've guessing only got it's one Florida. Ground. It's, yeah, it's um, Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale, yeah. Central Broward County cricket ground. Yep. You wouldn't want to be a bowler on that day. There. New Zealand played a few games there. Oh, okay. T20s against West Indies, yeah. Yeah. Hey, when was that? Game against Australia that you're talking about, the Tendulkar one, where he got 91. What year was that? Uh, just go back to that. Oh, now you got to hang on. Nah, you know, you know, it's always the case when you go looking for it, you can't find the find the thing. Uh, here we go. 2011. Oh, hang on. No, you're talking about the Australia one, right? Uh, when he got 91, that would have been 90. his 100th hundred. No, that was actually against England at the Oval. Oh, against England. At England the at the Oval. Sorry. Yep. It was 2011. 2011. So yep. It took them a whole year. So what what month was that? I wonder what month it was. Well, wait, um, it was yeah, yeah, unfortunately, I haven't got that detail in there. No, it would be this week, right? So mm, mm. <laughs> it is this week it in history. Took him, it took until March to get that hundred hundred in the in the end, because I know he oh, got wow. it against Bangladesh. Yeah. So <laughs> by missing out on nine runs, took him another nine months. Nine months. Yeah, month, yeah to get to that hundred. That ruined the stats. Uh, well we'll move on to the this week in news and um rain wins in the third test between england and pakistan but not before jimmy anderson was able to bring up 600 wickets and we will go into that as i mentioned at the top of the program we'll have a look at that match and the test series a bit later on in the show australia have arrived in the uk and currently in their biosecure bubble uh, they relocate tomorrow to Southampton, where they will play some, uh, apply some CRC and remove the rust uh, with some internal warm-up matches. Australia hasn't played any cricket in over five months, and that was since the ODI series was abandoned in March against New Zealand. So that was being played in well, the last match was played in Australia, and that was going to be a series that was partly played in Australia and then in New Zealand. Uh, West Indies women's team has also headed over to the UK and are currently in their quarantine bubble before they have their series against England starting on the 21st of September. New Zealand's looking forward to a bumper season ahead of them. Uh, finishing touches are being applied to a schedule which will see the West Indies play three T20s and two tests, Pakistan three T20s and two tests, and Australia will play five T20s uh, in New Zealand. But no summer is complete without Bangladesh touring, and they will be playing three T20s and three ODI matches. Oh, so they get, the, they get the um, one-dayers, but no one else does. They get one-dayers, but no one else does. That's, that's what I was really surprised. There's a lot of T20s 
on, but um, and and four tests, two against West Indies, two against Pakistan, but only three ODIs against Bangladesh. Maybe because they don't want to play them in a test, I think. I think they'd rather not give them a test and they'd give them three one days. <laughs> three one days. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. The White Ferns also depart for Australia on September 9 to face the world champs. But with the World Cup being postponed, New Zealand cricket's working on a series of T20s and ODIs with Australia and England to be played in New Zealand. And that's for the White Ferns. Also for games that will be coming up later in the year is Australia is set to host Afghanistan for what will be the first test between those countries. The match is scheduled to go ahead or begin on the 7th of December in Perth. Now that match was originally, I believe, set for Darwin um, um, earlier. So I think about October off the top of my head. But what's happened with the postponement of the World Cup T20 match with the rescheduling of IPL coming forward, they've moved that um, test against Afghanistan to the 7th of December. And New Zealand's Craig McMillan has been named Bangladesh's batting consultant for their tour of Sri Lanka. It wasn't too long ago he was the batting coach for New Zealand, so that's uh, interesting that he's thrown the tower, gone, moved on from there and moved on to being Bangladesh's batting consultant. Uh, uh, he did dip into IPL for a little bit, briefly. But yeah, yeah. I'm not sure yep. if he's still there, but he was involved uh, in the IPL too. So, Well, during the week when I was looking at that story, it, it seemed to indicate that he's still involved in IPL teams and okay. coaching there. So, again, yeah. indicate where you know, it's a bit... Wasn't able to confirm that um, during the week. And, uh, yes. So, and finally, in the news this week, there were three inductees into the ICC Hall of Fame. Jack Callis became the fourth South African to be inducted. Lisa Stathlaker from Australia, the ninth woman to join the club. And to round out the inductees was Zahir Bas from Pakistan. The 73-year-old 73 73 is Pakistan's sixth Hall of Fame inductee. And you'd have to say all three. Uh, well-deserving of their uh, induction into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he was known as Asian Redmonds. He scored more than 100 first-class hundreds. I think, mm-hmm. to be correct, he's probably 110 or something. Right. So he was a, he was a big name. So, yeah, I'm glad he's, he's, he's got in. <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, it's almost like we, we forget about the um, players of yesteryear, for want of a term, uh, the the um, the age of Zahir Abbas and the like, um, yeah. but you know Jack Callis springs to mind and go, well, you know, just a class all rounder, isn't he? Batting at times, batting number four for South Africa, and then also first drop in bowling as well. So, um, and then I, I, you know, not not really able to comment too much on the women's game, but Lisa Stathlaker, someone that is a name that does stand out within the women's game as well. Where's she born? Where's she born? Oh, don't ask me hard questions. <laughs> Look, hang on. Through the power <laughs> of the it. internet. The, through the power of the internet. No, don't well, Google it. I'll tell you where she's born. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think she's born in like some somewhere near Bombay, like Maharashtra or something. And then, yeah, I, yeah, and obviously moved to Australia. That's why we have these guys on the show, because they know their stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you're on the yeah, money I, there mate you're on the money born in maharashtra oh yeah yeah maybe not bombay but yeah or mumbai but yeah, yeah. somewhere around there. same province same Pro- state. yeah same state. same state. state yeah same state it is the yeah. state these uh, mumbai's and then they're all cities 
It's it's interesting though, isn't it? Because I mean, like we we've seen it in the Australian men's team with uh, Usman Khawaja, you know, born in Pakistan, and then obviously family immigrates over and ends up representing Australia, and didn't really expect it uh, within the women's game for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to see more and more? I think the way it's going. Yep. You will do, I think. It's just the way it's happening. And hopefully we um, see more of you guys coming over here as well. And like yourselves, immigrating and then playing for the Black Caps, eh? <laughs> oh, can you edit that out? Or? <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Oh, well, we better move on then. We'll better move on to yeah. looking at, as we said, this week's topics. We're looking at um, the third test um wrapping up really rain having the final say in that third test which to be honest was only going to have one outcome had the rain not intervened the record will show us a drawn test but really england were pretty much on top right throughout that match how did did you see the uh unfolding of the third test oh taron you go first or (laughs) you want me to start with (laughs) um oh look i think Pakistan did what Pakistan did well, like put them into a corner and got them down to 140. And then just for whatever reason, um, it just didn't work out for them. I, you know, you've got to say they probably didn't bowl well enough. If somebody gets 260 and 150, they probably allowed them to get a start and then carry on. Um, and but Taz, Taz would know um, all people that have played cricket know once good batters get in, it's hard to stop them as the pitch flattens out. So disappointing for them, having done the hard work to get England down to four down, and they probably were one or two wickets away from breaking that batting order open mm. and putting them, bowling them out for 280 or 280, whatever, under 300. That would have been a very different story. But it wasn't to be, and they just got away from them. That's how I see the first innings. First innings? Tears, what, what, how do you see it? Yeah, I think um, Pakistan were defensive early on with Zach Crawley, and that really surprised me. I mean, even like last last couple of ga- last game as well, where Yasser Shah like is kind of quite happy to give singles. Um, like you know, sort of. I think that's where Pakistan got it wrong, got him in, and um, by the time he sort of uh, yeah, I mean, they batted well, obviously Butler and Crawley, but um, Pakistan to my sort of disappointment, sort of didn't attack as much as they should have after them being four down. So, but I mean, they batted well. It, was, it wasn't a bad track to bat on, to be honest, like in comparison to the last test match. So Pakistan, obviously, rain saved us. But if you look at the amount of overs Pakistan batted, Pakistan uh, batted for, nine, I mean, 93 overs first innings and 83 overs in four down. So Pakistan actually didn't do badly in that way. They could have probably scored more runs if someone supported Azhar Ali. But uh, obviously, Jim, Jimmy Anderson was on song. Um, yeah, so to cut it short, obviously, Pakistan got lucky with the rate. <laughs> and Azhar uh, yeah, Ali, you know, like we were talking in the last test match, as, as I said, the first two, first test match, both things, he got LB. And leading up to that in the both side games, he got LB. But in the last test, test he didn't get out like before wicket, so he was opening up a little bit and kind of that. In, in this test match, obviously he he batted so well. So I'm I'm really happy for him because there are a lot of people 
talking. There was a lot of talk about uh, sort of uh, his days are over, and, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that he scored runs, and you know, sort of uh, at least you know he will carry on for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah um, you can see, you can see where he was um, hitting the ball, eh? Like you, it was quite a concerted effort not to get tangled up with his front leg, where which was yeah. pushing right across almost towards extra cover and cover point, you know, in that area. And he was getting into a tangle, but here he was actually that press, that shuffle he was doing, he was making sure that left foot did not even come in line with the back leg. And you it's quite um shows really well what he was trying to achieve when if you look at that drop catch of Stuart Broad of Anderson when he punches it to Broad at mid on, that he was actually allowing the ball to actually come in and trying to get his foot out of the way. And then he punched a few boundaries wide of Medon quite nicely in the in this innings. Yeah. Compared to the previous one, there was no way he could have played anything to Medon that with a straight bat the way he did in this innings. Um, Rizwan, though, hey, what a series he's had. 40, yeah, 40 average, you know, looked good. Yeah, he's, I mean, the, the thing was like he was really tidy apart from one, I think, sort of uh, mishap, but he was really tidy behind the stumps as well. But Duke's, in England, like obviously, you know, the keeper, overseas keepers generally struggle. Oh, you know, Butler drop catch of um, Anderson. Oh, look, England, England, England's yeah. fielding was like literally club cricket. <laughs> I it haven't seen all right. Pakistan got looked like the better fielding unit. Yeah, yeah, that's the first time I've seen Pakistan doing better <laughs> than like any other opposition, like you know, and, and in fielding. The field, and yeah. it was so England was poor, like fielding was yeah. bad, it was really bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I've got asked when I was watching some of the cricket and then I watched all of the highlights. Um, I've got to ask you mentioned you said, Oh, the, it was a good wicket to bat on. If it was a good wicket to bat on, how how come the subcontinent tra- teams, especially, but also all touring teams, get exposed so badly in England against Anderson and Broad? Like, it's like they're playing on another wicket. And I'll give the factors like, you know, maybe there's light, there's time of the day, the boys, the bowlers are fresh. You give them all of that. But the dismissals suggest they're either opening up or they're playing away from their body or, you know, how do you explain that on a goodish batting wicket? I guess like, you know, Anderson obviously being a world-class bowler and that Duke's ball. Yeah. So with the Duke's ball, obviously, Anderson, if you, if you, if you remember the first test match, and this one was trying to bring it, like, you know, I was trying to bowl away swingers from middle and league. It wasn't working, you know. Um, so he wasn't getting the swing he wanted. But, like, this time around, he was on song. So I think um, you got to give credit to, like, quality of bowling as well, though. Like, yeah. um, like whereas, like, say, say Australian batsmen, they struggled. I think um, they, they were bundled out for 60-odd, if I remember, with, um, like... Um, Broad taking eight for or seven for yeah 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 but that's way. yeah but if you look at their footwork it's just like obviously with Kookaburra you see the ball hit the ball like most of the times you know and their hand then hand and eye is good enough but with the Dukes and late movement in England at times um, I mean I guess that probably is the key but on top yeah. of everything England does have two quality world class bowlers and that probably sort of you know yeah yeah. Well, I mean, look, they've got, what, 1,100 wickets between the two of them? And mm. Pakistan's three quicks probably don't have 100. That's true, yeah. <laughs> you know that. So you've got to be a bit realistic. Do, do you yeah. think um, one of the things that highlights is that, you know, 
you know, back when we, we talked about yesteryear with some of the players there, you know, um, but also when you used to go on a tour years ago, you know, old school, you'd go for a longer period. You have a lot more warm up matches before you actually headed into sort of like the test series. You'd have a few county games, etc. not just one. You'd actually have a like three or four, five even county games um, against county sides before you headed into the test matches. Do you think that actually shows up now? That I mean, like you're expecting an international side to rock up, get used to a Duke's ball when they've been maybe playing against the the I think it's at the SG and the in Asia, and then you've got the Kookaburras and down here in the southern hemisphere. It makes it more difficult. Do you think that there's actually that that, that change has happened? Yeah, it, it, there are two things. Sorry. The one you're right with the teams touring, like and obviously the tours are longer. But another mm. thing is like. Um, even up to 2000s, like 90s and 2000s and 80s, there were a lot of players from, I mean, the big countries were playing county cricket as well. So that really helped. Like, you know, I know like in 70s, for example, Pakistan's or like top seven, all were playing county cricket. So when you tour England, the conditions are not foreign to you. The ball is not foreign yeah. to you. Um, I, th- I think like uh, where Australia dominated England in 90s and 2000s, if you look at the guys like uh, like Mike Hussey, for example, he came late in international cricket, but he had played enough county cricket. So when he did play in England, the conditions were not foreign to him. Foreign, yep. And I think that's probably, you know, that, that probably was one of the factors as well. What do you think, Taryn? Um, yeah, look, I think, to, yeah, firstly, like this is probably one of the few unique tours where they actually had a lot of time to prepare. If this was a normal calendar year, They'd be in, they'd play one game. In fact, Pakistan probably would be one of the fewer countries that would actually allocate some warm-up time because their schedules aren't as busy as India or Australia. You know, so they wouldn't be in and out. They'd actually do some work. And um, so this was actually a unique year where they actually quarantined. Yes, they didn't get out, but they acclimatized much better. Um, Then they had a lot of internal games as Mm. well. And then, in fact, I was thinking... They actually, the Pakistani team, after Australians and South African Colpacks, probably have more guys on the county circuit than a Sri Lankan or an Indian contingent. So they also have a little bit of that buffer still. They still have that um, long relationship with the county system. My take on it, Taz, is even if you go there and train and have internal games, the way to bowl with it, you'll be only facing your own guys. And it's not the same as facing an English seamer. I think facing a Darren Stevens is very different to facing a Abbas. Yeah. No disrespect to Abbas or Darren Stevens, but completely different. And that's his patch, you know. Stevens will make a talk out there. And yeah, so I think facing an English bowler in English conditions is very, very unique and different. And you can't train for it. You just have to keep playing it. And that's why you're saying the value of county cricket. You have to continually play it to experience it, even with bowling with that ball. Yeah. And Stuart Broad bowled him out for, you know, with his eight foot, bowled him out for 60. The Austra- Australians had the same ball. And I'm pretty sure England did not get bowled out for 80 or 60. <laughs> no. You know, there's a way to bowl with it. And, you know, you're, you've got to be built to bowl that way. And it shows when you play away in Australia, the Australians have the upper hand. You know, so I think it's just conditions play such a big part in cricket. Hey, look, um, and moving on to, like, obviously, um, just talking about Zach Crawley with his 267. 
you know, there's been a lot of raps given to him, and rightly so, for, you know, he's scoring 267. One of the youngest players, you know, when, when you look at the number of players that have scored, I think, a double hundred by the age of 22, he's right up high on the list sort of thing. So um, what, what do you, I mean, what have you seen of him and what do you think his future looks like? Oh, I think, oh, I don't know. It's well, it's one fantastic knock. Yep. That, that's uh, why I thought I'd ask, because it's like, is it just one knock? Do you see the he he has got the talent to then back that up? I don't remember the bloke's name, but he also got a big 100, maybe not a 260 100, but somebody got a big 100, and I'm sitting here, can't even recollect the guy's name. I don't think he even plays anymore. I think he's uh, opening batsman for England. So there have been a few that have had been a flash in the pan. I, mean, I don't think this guy is like that. Um, yeah, so, I think yeah. with, with Zach Crawley, his first stars records outside Test Frigid were not that great. Um, and he's been picked, he's basically been picked on talent. So keeping that in mind, and he, I, like, if you look at how much it, he, the adjustments he's made, like to Abbas, especially because Abbas with the new ball or semi-new ball was doing a bit. So he was coming outside the line, outside the crease. But the good thing was he wasn't following the ball. So he was just playing through the line. If he plays and misses, so be it. And I mean, it didn't bother him that he was playing and missing. Whereas, like, um, there was other gentlemen, Sibley, I think, and he was quite tentative. And you can just see that his back, back, bat swings got shorter and he was more tentative. Whereas Zach Crawley was um, like, he, he, he is your modern batsman, like brave and sort of, you know, uh, comes at you. Um, he will probably will have. Um, he will have low or and or high scores. I don't think he will score thirty and forties, the way he bats. This is how I see yeah. it, anyways. So almost, yeah. almost like a Steve Smith. Get either get him early, or you're yeah. you're going to see a lot of him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the guy I was talking about was Sam Robson. Wow, I never heard the name. <laughs> he got 120. Played seven Test matches. Yep. I thought he was an Aussie. Yeah, played for England. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Nick Compton got 300s. Yeah. You know, but a different age, you know, different age setup. He kind of did the grind. Him and Carberry and them, those boys did the grind. But Robson got a 100 against Sri Lanka. And that was it. Then not, not seen again. Literally, that was 2014, five, six years on. We don't remember the bloke. <laughs> you know, so it's a, it's a fantastic... Um, start to a career that is now set up you know you've earned yourself time you'll be allowed to fail a lot more i think that's what you earn when you get a big score up front yep yeah you just earn time people so, will be more yeah confident. basically he's he's bought, he's bought himself a few test matches before they start looking at him if he is not performing uh, yeah and he will never be out of this yeah you, you won't be out of the system will you when you score a no. 260 you don't do it or you know like that you have to have a fair bit of special talent to do so. So there was a meme out there on the supporters group. Tendulka hasn't got a two fifty. Yeah, Zach Crawley yeah. does. So right. Yep. Wow. So I, I did not realise that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Hey, so moving on to looking at the series as a whole. I mean, great way for England to finish their whole Test cricket summer. Um, they 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 beat the West Indies in the Test series. The Test series. Now they've gone on to beat Pakistan. Um, in the test series, great for them as they build up for the Ashes tour. Um, how, how, I mean, you, you've got to go away with a lot of confidence if you're the English English group, don't you? 
yeah, you I think, like England has a lot of question marks though. Like uh, because uh, I mean Australian Australian bowling lineup won't be nothing like Pakistani. They will be more aggressive, you know. Yep. And um, and it's just like. Um, it's a tough one, eh? Because um, when you play series where, like, you know, obviously you dominate. I mean, England batsmen, apart from like this game, like first two games, did actually struggle. So, um, and they were question mark. I, I always, every week I put a question mark on the spinner as well. So, so I think it would be interesting how how sort of um, how they what squad they take and who they. Yeah. Um, but I mean, finishing on a high note is definitely positive, and with Anderson back in form, that helps. Yeah, they, yep. they. I mean, you touched on the batting there, Taz. I reckon they they tend to kind of play two different teams, I suppose, in many ways. Like they're quite brave and bold in this like, decision making and selections. in when they go away from home, they're happy to leave Andersons out and Broads out. If you go to Australia, you carry this bowling attack. You're not going to pick up many wickets. It's going to be thirty plus. You're probably going to have one chance of swinging the ball. That'll be day one at the Gabba. That's it. After that, it gets flatter, hotter, drier, and faster. So if Anderson's going to try and swing a kookaburra at 120-something or 130-something, followed by Broad at the other end, it's, yeah, I don't think um, any Australian test player um, will be breaking, you know, losing any sleep. Yep. It'll be heavily reliant on Archer. And they'll probably have to kind of get that. Is there a Saj Mahmood? Um, that's uh, Saki yeah. Mahmood, Taz, yeah. that, um, the new guy, I think. There's a young, yeah, young guy, yeah, something Mahmood. Yeah, Saki yeah he taught New Zealand. Mahmood. Yeah, he taught yeah. New Zealand. And I think they might have to start getting a couple of those pacey quicks ready if they want to counter the Australians. And then then you throw in Taz's mate, Don Bess, playing, going up toe-to-toe against the best off-spinner in yeah. the world. Lion. That is a real spin bowler, Nathan Lyon. Yep. So if England get through Cummins, Stark, and Hazelwood, or um, what's the other quick? Um, Pattinson. If they get through any one of those four, then they have to deal with um, uh, Nathan, Nathan Lyon. Lyon. Their only respite would be when Mitchell Marsh comes on to bowl, and he bowls 140. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> so it's a different kettle of fish. Yeah, I think yep. like in, in, in Australia, against Australia, obviously you got to be very good on the back foot, and uh, with with obviously um, Zach Crawley looks comfortable on the back foot. I mean, Joe Root would be fine, and uh, Stokes, but rest of the batsmen probably, you know, I, I don't know how they cope with the barrage of uh, you know short balls from Australia. The only saving grace I'd give them, though, that I think, uh, like only um, benefit would be is they they just look so robotic and mechanical like heavily drilled and really well groomed that pace and bounce probably won't worry them and and, and i suppose like the fact they raised on machines it feels like they've a lot of machine work is done through these guys like, uh, so yeah, but if you, I think if you see uh, taran if you see ollie ollie pop he got one taken off of the length where it, um like nazim shah got him out and yeah. um I think every time there was bounce from a good length, Pakistan got a wicket or yeah. a missed chance yeah. or something. And that's what I, w- I was like, if I was sort of, if I was comparing that to Australian conditions where you will get a lot more of those balls from taller yeah. taller guys. Yeah. You'll and get that's where yeah. I feel like their batting will be a bit more challenged. 
Yeah. Oh, think? yeah. I absolutely. I think they'll be heavily challenged. But if there's anything that's sitting in their favour, it's that they will be a little bit more accustomed to just a barrage of bounces. But heavy back off a length is what you're talking about. Yeah. And I think they will be challenged there. Like because English batsmen would play those on half forward. Yeah. Whereas Australians would play probably on the back foot, yeah. or like get behind or it. Or leave on like, leave on lane there. Yeah. So that's the adjustment yeah. I, I would I would like to see how they do, go about it. Yeah. So then moving on to Pakistan, we're we're from here for Pakistan. How much do they take away from the series? You know, do they just sort of like move? Okay, that's done, dusted. Didn't go well how we wanted it to, or is there learnings that they'll actually take away and go? No, nah, look, it was great. We actually took a lot away from the series. I personally think Rizwan was fine of the tour. Mm -hmm. um, he's surprised a lot of people with not just with his batting, but also with his glove work. Not me, so, not me. Didn't surprise <laughs> me. No, I didn't surprise you. Okay. <laughs> so he's he's the one. Obviously, that's uh, that's a fine for Pakistan. Um, Azhar Ali obviously got extension now <laughs> after this hundred. Um, but um, <laughs> apart from those two, I, I don't know. I mean, Yasisha bowled one well in one game and then uh, struggled, like, you know, against the wind and this test match obviously struggled. So I think overall it's just more the strategy Pakistan um, coaching group has used or their strategy around, like, the sort of uh, field positions and all that stuff. So I think, um, I mean... The only positive I can think of is actually, you know, uh, Rizwan and and Azhar Ali. So th those two positives I would take. Uh, but a bit disappointed that Pakistan um, didn't win the first game. Look, I'll make I'll I'll call it here. This series for Pakistan, with the squad that they're carrying, it's reminiscent of India in 2014 or 2010 when Kohli came in, went there with big wraps on his shoulders did not quite get going and four years later and came back and they kind of made amends right and they kind of put in a better showing and i think this is where i'm just thinking of barbarism there was so much around him you know he was called the fab five not the fab four and everything else he started off with a nice little 60 and then it just that was it yeah so i think though if if he is in the top five in the world like he is like the steve smiths and the Red Coley's. He'll take a lot away from here. And I think his next tour will justify his greatness on the world stage, where he'll take the learnings, park it, come back and put on a show next time around. Yeah. And I think, yeah, Rizwan, massive find. I, you almost won, like, this is not Azhar Ali's first time captaining. And it's almost as if he hasn't gotten any better with age as a captain. He, he was labeled poor then. And he's still being questioned as a captain. So is there room for Pakistan to have another captain within the ranks other than Barbara Azam? Probably not enough experience or players that would justify selection regularly? Yeah, I think uh, from, from what I hear, like within the group, like, you know, over there is like, obviously, Mizbah is quite like hands-on coach. So I don't think Azhar Ali would have had as much input as... Uh, he would have had it with another coach. So I think it's not just Azhar Ali, it's the coaching, the new coaching setup they have. And yeah. um, Azhar Ali obviously has played under Mizbal Haq. So yeah, I just, I think there's a lot more to do it just with his captaincy. It's probably the, the coaching staff at the back end as well. Um, yeah. 
And I I think if if Misbah wasn't the coach, Azarali probably would have done better. <laughs> That's my opinion. You reckon? Anyways, yeah. Okay. How much of that? Uh, sorry, Ashwin, you probably want to move on to other topics. No, but, no, no, that's fine. That's uh, fine, mate. How, how much of that would you put down to the fact that Misbah Uhak, for a famed career and the leader of Pakistan cricket team, is a bit of a inexperienced, you know, to put it nicely, as a coach, right? He's very inexperienced and he is the be-all. He is everything, one-stop shop. You know, he's the judge, the jury, the executioner of yeah. the Pakistan cricket system at the moment. How much of that comes down to that inexperience and the desire to not actually let go? Some of these really experienced coaches give you the impression they're doing nothing because they're so comfortable within their own skin. They allow the captain and players say, it's your team, you run it, I am the supporting act. And you just said, if Misbah is a hands-on kind of guy, is that an experience? Is it a desire to justify your position? Because people are looking at you as well. I, yeah, I think, and in, 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 uh, I don't know about India, but in Pakistan, generally, like people do live in past. And uh, especially if you had a fabulous career, like I, I remember Javed Miadad was a coach once and uh, the players were struggling you know, <laughs> with him because he was mm. just so controlling, like um, in, in, in some ways. So I think like Misbah had a successful career as a, as a captain. But as a coach, um, he's just started it, right? And yeah. uh, the thing is, like, he's um, he's been last two years he's been coaching, um, and he doesn't have a lot of uh, coaching experience. And what what you're saying is about right that like it's probably lack of experience. Uh, Misbah will probably end up coming becoming a great coach. But right now, with lack of experience, you can just see the you can see the results. Yeah, and then it just kind of gets quite slippery from here when the result's lucky, it's a 1-0 result. It's not a bad result. If there yeah. was a 2-zip or a 3-zip, yeah. then the heads will start rolling in the sense, not that I'm sure well, the pressure will get a on. long leash, but he will start internally start overanalyzing, changes start ringing in, then you start bringing in guys you know and trust, and your only other coaching fallback is a T20 campaign. So then suddenly T20 guys are playing test cricket, and then you're bringing in guys that, coaching staff that are mates that you worked really well with to conjure up test wins as players become your backroom staff. So you've suddenly surrounded yourself with even more people that have an experience as coaches. Yeah. And then it just gets into a bit of a you have slippery slope. I, I agree. Yeah, I think that this is probably what is happening right now. With Pakistan. You know, yeah. yeah I, mean, I do exciting. remember one thing we talked about on one of our previous shows is um, – you know, it's something that's been a lot with the subcontinent teams is the fact is that, no, you know, we, we talked about whether the captain controlling things on the field but or whether there's messages coming from off-field. And he sort of said notes were always going, subcontinent teams, notes coming from off-field to sort of give instructions and the like. How much does that upset the team? And especially with what you're saying there, if Mizbar's feeling uncomfortable about how things are going or his position in there, he's going to be looking to send messages on during the game as well, isn't he? Yeah, and the thing was, he was he was uh, Azarali's captain before, right? So Azarali played pretty much since he came back to Test cricket in 2010. Good six or seven years of his Test cricket, all under Misbah, you know. So it's kind of like he he was his mentor, he was his like you know captain. So I think that's probably where I feel like if the immediately retired players probably shouldn't be the head coaches, they could make great consultants, 
because obviously that's uh, you know that that's that's where they can help. But making them the head coach, which means that um, you know he's over uh, Waka Yunus as well, and Waka Yunus is way more experienced than um, you know Miss um, Balha. Ms. Ba. So I think mm-hmm. I personally think that that backroom staff has something to do with Azar Ali's uh, captaincy, the way he is captaining. Yeah, well, so really, that explains why there's a market for the Western coaches because they seem to cream it up out in, you know, the Asian markets, Bangladesh, like you pointed out, Craig McMillan, Sri Lanka's had God knows how many Australian and English coaches go through their system. The IPLs, it's flooded with foreign coaches. They, and you don't drive it aside. And Ravi Shastri, who's more of a, a really it? cool, yeah, like a really fun uncle to have. At the thing, you know, he's just the nice guy that says yes to everything. Like he just keeps them happy, right? He gives. He's the giver. He's Santa Claus. So <laughs> other than him, you can't really pick up a really renowned Indian coach. You'd have to look back to Wadeka days, into the nineties. I think, like, I don't know in India, but generally in India or Pakistan, you gotta have a big name. So yeah. you have to have a like, say, someone like Wazim Akram or Waka Yunus or Ms. Valhak or these big names. But the coaching is completely different from playing, isn't it? In terms of, it's more about man management and strategic management and strategic planning. And that's where, like in Pakistan, uh, if they appoint somebody uh, who hasn't played much cricket at a higher level or highest level, everyone will question it, right? So people don't see that coaching is completely different from playing, right? So Javed Miadad was like obviously pushed towards coaching because he was a legend player, but he struggled. Because yeah. his man management skills were not great, you know. Yeah. So I think with, with within Asia, that's the thing. Like so Richard Piper's coached Pakistan on three terms. He hasn't played first class cricket. Um, yeah. New Zealand's coach um, hasn't, Gary hasn't played any professional cricket, but he was. Mm-hmm. I mean, his stats are probably you know, the best for New Zealand as a coach. So mm-hmm. I mean, I guess like in Pakistan and India, maybe in Sri Lanka and Bangladesh as well, that you got to have a big name. Like you, ha- you must be a successful test cricketer or successful international cricketer before your people accept you as a coach, yeah. uh, or at least yeah. as a head coach. This is how I see it, and maybe that's where the foreign coaches um, do well there. Yeah, I mean, I'll, before you go into that, Ash, like before you pull yeah. us away for it, I will say, like you know, some of these greats that you touched on, like your Waka Yunus, um, maybe not Mizbah, I wouldn't put him in the same mold, but Waka, Wasim, Javed Mianda, Kapil Dev had a stint at coaching. All these guys, I om- I would put a blanket generalistic um, comment going, well, because they were so amazing skill-wise, they never had to really think. It just came naturally to them. And so their answer is like, oh, just hit the top of off. Oh, well, if I could do that that easily, I would, but I'm just a mortal. So I need a plan B, C, and D because I cannot execute A six times, right? But these guys, oh, just do that. And they can still do it at 45, run in and go boom. And ah, don't worry, just this ball of Yorker. So I think they were so good, they never actually like had to expand their horizon. And in coaching state, you need to kind of look at them individually and not just have one blanket rule for them. So, so maybe they've hamstrung there. I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll at that stage we will move on. Uh, to like the what's up next for Pakistan and England is the uh, three uh, T20 games um, that'll be starting this Saturday. Uh, what are we looking for um, happening there, basically, or who are we looking forward to seeing? 
What are the matchups? I don't know, Babar Azam for Pakistan, obviously, with the bet, <laughs> as, as, as always. And, um, well, I guess, like, England is playing completely, obviously, different squad from their test. Yeah, absolutely. Because they've got fish guys, you know, haven't been sort of, you know. So, Pakistan, um, Babar Azam, uh, Mohamed Amir would be, people would be looking forward to. I think on this tour, um, Pakistan has a slight disadvantage of not having crowd because, Place like Manchester, if they're playing at Manchester, for example, there will be more Pakistan supporters than England yeah. supporters. You know? <laughs> so True story. In hindsight, Pakistan is kind of like um, Pakistan does better in England because the crowd is it's almost like home crowd, you know? So, home crowd, yep. Yep, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, like, um, yeah, sorry, Taryn, go away, you go. Safras Ahmed coming back in? With yeah, the I white would, ball I would, yeah. Now we've yeah. got Safras there, yeah. Surprise will be interesting to see. Um, Barbarism. Um, oh, what's the left hand, left-handed opener? He's back, in, isn't he? The one who won the Champions Trophy. Um, Fakhar Zaman. Fakhar Zaman. Yeah, he's yeah. back in. Yeah, he's so back, he'll yeah, be exciting to watch. But yeah, Fakhar Zaman probably the most exciting one you want to see. And then. Yeah. Other than that, I can't see how they're going to stop England, though. Like, England looks very strong in white ball T20. And, and nice. I mean, like, it, and they won't even, and there's some players that they obviously in the T, in the test squad, which won't be involved in the um, white ball. Oh, look. Oh, I don't think they're oh, playing Morgan. any of the test squad. Nah, nah, no, nah. nah. You've got Morgan, Bairstow, Banton, supposedly is just amazing. Billings. And then add to that, Joe Denley. You know, so I don't, I can't see, unless, uh, you know, Pakistan are quite crafty with how they utilize their bowlers. I can't see how they're going to stop them. Yeah, I guess like, Pakistan, team. Pakistan, obviously, Amir, Wahab, Riaz, um, the Ligi, um, what's his name? Shadab Khan. Shadab Khan, uh, Imad Wasim. So I, I think Pakistan, oh, Imad will, Wasim, will yeah. Okay. yeah, Pakistan will do okay because, um, I think Pakistan has been reasonably successful in T20s because of their bowling. Yeah. You know, and uh, this England side is probably more of a sort of like they're good bowlers, but they're more like batting wise, they're stronger. Yeah, and, that's what I mean. Um, it's their batting power, yeah. their batting power will come up. But, and then they've got good, um, like slow ball, like, you know, your Tom Curran's, Adil Rashid's got a strong white ball record now. Maun Ali, yeah. But, um, yeah, I forgot about Imad Wasim. Imad Wasim will change what the front six look like. Yeah. All of a sudden, you know, it looks very different. So, so I, I, I don't think it will be. I mean, I think it will be. It, it will be a close series. It won't be sort of, um, because England's bowling is. I mean, Jordan is there. I just saw his name. So he's obviously yep. experienced player. Um, Pakistan lacks a power hitter down the order. So Asif Ali, isn't he? He's, yeah, he's isn't playing he? CPL, so he's obviously missed out on this tour. There's this oh, okay. guy, Khushdil Shah, I think he's a left-hander. He can hit a ball. But again, it will be a big series for him as well. I mean, he can hit a ball. He bats six or seven. But Pakistan still hasn't found a finisher who would be consistent. Yeah. Just just um, so to answer um, Mitt's question there. So in terms of Asif Ali, are you surprised that he's not included or not? Uh, no real surprises? He's just inconsistent. Inconsistent. He just um, is. He he can hit a ball. Uh, everyone knows that. But he's he just can't hit it consistent enough. And he's right. given enough opportunities. And that's why probably they brought in the new guy, uh, Kushdil Shah. He probably bats six or seven. 
and Iftikhar Ahmed more of a batsman, but he can he can do a finisher's job. Asif would have been ideal on a good day, but he just hasn't been consistent. Yeah. Do you, th- do you think that the... What do you think about... I mean, like, in terms of the bowling um, for England, it looks like they've got some really good um, T20 bowlers, but there, there doesn't seem to be... They don't, I don't know, I mean, I mean, Chris Jordan there, but not, not the big star-powered bowlers there, like a, a Jofra Archer type level. You probably Jordan don't need probably there, there. <laughs> nah, Jordan. Jordan's probably the star bowler there. Yep. In terms of experience, skill, and world class experience, well, having played around these um, T20 and leagues. Tom Curran has been playing like in a few, like he played in BBL. He's been. Yep. He's IPL. a white ball, experienced white ball cricketer. Yep. Those two, and then it'll be the Saqib Mahmoud. That's the one we we're talking That's what about. You're thinking about before that. Yeah. He's, he's yeah, quick. he's got a yeah. He's a bit like um, Saj. Was it Saj? Not Saj Mahmoud. A guy who played in the Ashes and played in the Adelaide Test. The reverse swing guy. Kabir Ali. Twenty centuries. Nah, 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 nah. Oh, there's no, another the guy. guy. Yeah, I know the the the. Ajmal Ajmal Shahzad or something. Ajmal Shahzad, Yorkshire, yeah, from Yorkshire. Yeah, yeah. So he, I think he's quite we've got a bit about him. Yeah. I'm interested to see Lewis Gregory and we'll see what he does. I don't know a lot about him, but they're covered on the spin front. You know, you've got Moen Ali. Moen Ali, yeah. Yeah. Rashid. 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 Jason Roy opening up might be interesting. It'll be good fun to see him. And I think if Imad Rasim starts up, that changes everything. If you see Imad Rasim's track record, T20 opening up is amazing. Eh? Six overs is phenomenal, yeah. Yeah. He changes it. And then we all know England's great at, as a front runner, but if they get pegged back early, how will they come knowing Pakistan then have, will have an assortment of spin to dish out through the middle overs? If they and can they've start. Got no well, to, and they've got no Ben Stokes to come along and save them. No, well, yeah, exactly. So you've I mean, got. Dave Billy, of, I think David Billy has been doing well. Yeah. He last couple of games I, I I was following he's been scoring quick runs. So again like yeah. you know he's uh he's obviously he missed out because of Joe Archer all last year. So he's getting his opportunity to prove um, his worth. Um yeah. I, I don't know about his bowling that much. I mean he, he did okay, but he's been he's been doing the finisher job for England and we'll see how it goes. Hey, I think he I think he opens up both one if he's lucky, he bowls two and gives it a chance to swing. So yeah. he they try and attack with them. Yeah. And then use current for one, maybe if they need him. And then they'll pull him off. And then they'll try and use current for the back end. No, that's it. Well, we'll look forward to that starting on Saturday. And then uh, we'll get an opportunity to discuss how that three three twenty games went in next week's show. Uh, as we bring it to you, and hope, I'm, I'm pretty sure all three would have been done and dusted by the time we come to air next Thursday. So, um, just moving along, I'm going to quickly go over the um, CPL, just to show, bring up the table here. Uh, one week into the competition, they're basically close enough to just over one week into the CPL competition, and the Trinbago Knight Riders sitting at the top with a perfect record of four from four. And uh, look, Trinbag. Trinbago Knight Riders. The Knight Riders have a very handy batting lineup with Narayan, Monroe, the Bravos, Pollard, Seifert. Yeah. And then to back that up, they've got Narayan um, backing up his batting with uh, his bowling. And I mean, you look at his bowling stats and he's going at an you know economy rates of four runs and over in a T20. 
pretty pretty sort of solid lineup there for the Trinbago Night Riders there, isn't it? And sort of um confer, you know backs up their four from four start. Yeah, they they're going well. They um like you said, that's I think that's the one that's uh, coached by Brendan McCallum, I think. I think they are. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. They've. I think they've won it a fair few times, and they've they'll always start as one of the favourites for that competition. Because so they've it's got not like bad. they've got power hitters at the top and the power hitters at the bottom as well. So it's kind they, of like, they, you know. Yeah, I've just got a note here. Is it's like you know if you're if you're opening up for the Night Riders. You can go on there with confidence. You can have a go because you know if you fail, there's plenty more batting to come that can basically slow it down and then speed it up. And they know that they can have a go at the tail end of the innings to get that run rate back up again. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like, uh, I don't know how they do, but in most of the T20 leagues, like, you know, back end of the T20 uh, leagues, they're using, um, I mean, they're playing on used wickets, right? And yep. the spinners start playing way bigger role then they do first up. So yep. it will be interesting because uh, I think Jamaica has got Majib and the, uh, the league spinner from Nepal, Nepal. Uh, Barbados yep. have uh, Rashid Khan. So these teams are obviously low on the table, but um, if, if, have a... if it, I mean, if they're using the used tracks again, like in the future games, most of the tournaments I've seen, back end, spinners start doing, like spinners pretty much controlling the games. And, um, it will be interesting to see how sort of um, next round, like next week yeah. goes. Taryn? I think well, that's, um, that's likely, yeah, sorry, Taryn, where you go? No, I think, well, I think what Taz is saying, right, and it's going to be highlighted further with all games being played in Trinidad. Two grounds. Obviously, it's three. I think there's three what? possibly. Three grounds, okay. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, maybe you're right, two probably, but yeah, between two and three grounds. So they can't be on you know too many different tracks obviously because of just the way the setup also has to happen yep and you're so seeing scores are sitting either 170 180 or into the 100 early 100s right mm. that mm. makes you think there's one ground or a couple of wickets that are really good at a certain venue and the yep. other ones are slower lower tired wickets and every time teams play there it's just changing the demographic of the scores and who performs where I looked at some of the. I've been watching the scores. Um, the two spinners, Mujib and Lamichani, Lamichani from Nepal, they're both going at fours. They're going at fours, right? That's unreal. And even they're in front of Narayan. Yeah. Yeah, and Narayan's going at fives. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, so. Yeah, it's already they're coming to the four, and it's always been the case. Yeah. In the Caribbean, it has been turning slow, low tracks. Yeah, so well, and I think the other thing is when they play, once they play under lights, it starts getting slicker and then you can score. The dew comes in and the pitches play well. But the day games, because of the timing and the way they want to broadcast it to Asia, the times might be a little bit different as well when they're playing it. Right. It's It, it seems to be... Now, the, the, I'm not sure. I mean, like the, they haven't shifted it too much, though, have they? It's like, I mean, that's... Nah, still, no, no, no. Not too much. Yeah. Not too much. Yep. Yep. So we'll keep an eye on that, and um, it'll be interesting to see uh, how that actually transpires. Because as you said, I mean, like, those pitches are going to get tired. They're playing on the same pitches over and over and over again. Uh, whether yeah. it's two or three, it's at the end of the day, it's limited pitches that they're playing on. Um, 
there's limited time for the groundsman to get in there and to do any wicket prep or to do any maintenance because basically there's games happening at least every second day there. So uh, definitely I think it'll be interesting to see as the uh, tournament progresses to see whether it stays true to form of IPL tournaments and the spinners starting to take have more control in games. So but we'll keep an eye on those. It's worth pointing out, like Monroe in the top five run scorers so far, Monroe's in the top five. The other four ahead of him are West Indians. So there's only one foreigner in the top five, and that's Monroe. And below, and at seven is actually young Glenn Phillips. Glenn Phillips, yeah. Ah, oh, nice. Yeah. So the rest of them all are local players. So it show, shows how well these two are performing. It's also, but it's also great news for the West Indies to sort of be developing their talent um, as well. Um, you know, I suppose it's a, sort of the um, silver lining to some of the internationals that couldn't make it. It opened up spaces for um, some of their own um, talent coming through and for them to be able to get more game time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're going to just um, I'll, uh, I've, I had one topic. I think I might leave that till next week because I want to make sure we give it enough time. It'll be basically us preview, previewing um, Australia's tour, who will be basically taking over from Pakistan once the three tweet twenties, tweet twenties, three T twenties are, uh, are completed. Uh, Australia will then move in. They'll start with three ODIs and three T twenties. We'll look at the Australia squad that will be taking place in those uh, two. Um, two series or two lots of games and we'll do that next week where we can play got a bit more time to go over the australian players that have uh, ended up going over there one thing i wanted to bring up um that a bit of controversy around the third test and um fawad alam's uh, dismissal and the fact is that uh, josh butler uh getting his hands just ahead of the stumps therefore making it a illegal delivery which was not called so um I just wanted to see what your thoughts were on um, is it something that should be taken a bit more seriously or is it something that, hey, look, it's yeah, it's a minor infringement. Let's just get on with it. I mean, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, personally, I don't think that um, there was any advantage, you know. Um, but again, like when a bowler crosses a line by a small margin, I don't think he's getting an extra yard of pace. So it's just a mistake by umpire, like like they did in the World Cup last year, you know. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, I think. Uh, um, I was sitting here going, okay, what what are the advantages that would go to the fielder? I would say if it's a catch, I wouldn't worry about it. But if it's a stumping, then I'd probably scrutinize. It'd make a difference. It. Yeah. Yeah, because it allows you to obviously remove the bails uh, that much quicker, and at the and the way. This sport is played. It is milli frames, or each frame makes a big difference. So, it does add to it. But if it's a catch, and your hands are in front, I don't know. You're probably going to drop it, aren't you? A bit more harder hands and snatching at the ball or whatever. Yeah, I, I, it's an interesting one because I, I, I mean, like when I when I thought about putting it into the show today, I was sort of thinking, in terms of a catch, what's the advantage? In fact, you're actually robbing yourself of those extra thousandths of a second to actually take the ball. You're actually pushing your hands at the ball, making it more difficult. But then on the flip side of it is what Taz sort of said, well, a bowler only has to have like a toenail just over the line, so to speak, obviously, and, and or, you know, will not have that, not have it. And uh, it's called a no ball. So to be fair, do you call everything and just say, okay, that's the way it is. It has to be called. 
it'll make it easier if you just make it black and white. But black and white, yeah. yeah. But you've got to be able to police it. And when this comes up, quickly look upstairs and then send it back. But I don't think that's in the law, is it, Taz? Um, no, this is the first time I've, like, obviously, um, I can't, I've seen people no balling to, obviously, because keeping, keeper taking it ahead of the stumps or like slightly ahead of the stumps, but I haven't, I haven't seen anything like that in international cricket, you know? So, mm. um, personally, I think like, um, if there's a rule, it should be obviously umpires should look into it. And if he does it now, I'm sure he would have done it before because, you know, like the keepers have their habits. If he's done it there, he would have done it before as well, which means that obviously well, he's been getting away with it. Since you put it that way, then I've got to go with my mate Ravi Ashwin and say, well, he must have left his crease a few times as well. If you give him an inch, he seems to take a mile, eh? This guy, Butler. Now he's doing this. So, I mean, Actually, we might need to get Ricky Ponting in to have a comment on this and then probably tell. Hunters, hey, look, you know, hard word here. Let's not talk about badly about Butler. That's fine. That's not how we play our cricket. <laughs> hey, there's Butler, hey. So, Ashwin, I, I, I'm surprised Ashwin hasn't commented on this on Twitter. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not, you're not talking about me. You're talking about Ravi Ashwin, not Ashwin. The cricketer. Yeah, the cricketer, not 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 the host. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to confuse people. <laughs> just just in case you're wondering, I am quite prolific on Twitter as well. <laughs> now, look, actually, since we're talking about Josh Butler, uh, and when we're talking, about, we were talking about Muhammad Rizwan before, and and we're talking about um, really what a great series he had. You'd have to say the doors a little bit. I mean, like. Butler got a great score in that third test um, with the bat, but there has to be question marks around his umpiring, isn't it? I mean, he didn't he didn't have a great series with the gloves. Did the umpire as well, Ashwin? Oh, sorry, did I say umpire? Sorry, I'm I just he's, he's eagle eye. He catches up on everything I say. Um, sorry, wicket keeping, wicket keeping. My bad. I mean, England traditionally produces some like you know, great keepers, like, because obviously the conditions over there, you take the ball, generally, you know, like even an average club keeper in England would be a good keeper because of the conditions and everything. So keeping that in mind and uh, amount of keepers England has that Ben Folks, the guy, he's pretty tidy, but he's been sitting out. So I guess mm -hmm. like, um, I, I think it's just the coaching group again, like they probably want to give uh, Butler a run, uh, but definitely, definitely from my understanding, He's not playing for his keeping. <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> no, well, yeah. he, he actually put down some pretty easy catches during the test series. I mean, basically, straight through to the keeper and straight down. Yeah. That's it. That's it. He took a couple of clangers in the second innings. Oh, I know in the first innings and in the third test, off Sheen Shaheen Afridi, off a sip down the leg side. Mm -hmm. And then one off uh, Rizwan down the leg side the other way. He took some absolute snorters, and it's exactly it's a classic for when you've just got a 150, you're always going to catch those, you know, that real yeah. hard chance. Yeah, made it look really good. It's funny, you've, you've, you've mentioned the great catch that he did take, and, and Jimmy Anderson be wondering why can't the guys just take the dollies that come off my bowling? <laughs> oh, look, if Tedoka had to wait nine months between his 99th 
chance by nine runs to miss out to a hundred at hundred and wait nine months. Yep. Anderson waiting two days is probably all right. I think. Yeah, I, I, saw, <laughs> the, I saw the drops and I'm going, oh my god. He's going to have an aneurysm, a stroke, or he's going to hit someone, and probably Rory Burns. That, that, those two days off, though, Jimmy Anderson would have been thinking, sitting in his hotel room, because that's the only place they could go, is they would be thinking, oh, my God, I'm not. I'm going to be left here on 599. I'm never going to get 600. No, he, and if he went to Australia, he'd come back at 599 as well. Ah. <laughs> 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 uh, Oh, well, guys, look, um, I think it's it's a good place to wrap that things up. And um, thank you once again for have, have coming on the show um, to discuss all things cricket. It's, it's as I said way back earlier in the piece, it's it's great to have your knowledge um, on there to fill all the gaps. And, well, I've just got a big hole of knowledge. So it's great to be able to fill that and uh, with your expertise around the game. So thank you once again for coming on the show. And thank you all for um, watching the show today and um, tuning in week after week. It's really appreciated. Really appreciated if you can hit that, sh- hit that share button as well as the like button so we can get the word out there um, of our show Swinging from the Hips and um, also about New Zealand Sport Radio. Well, again, we've got shows right through the week, starting with on Monday night. We've got the uh, uh, Driving Wall Show on Tuesdays. We've got Basketball. Wednesday night is the League Show. Thursday night, best night of the week with Swinging from the Hip. And then Fridays and Sundays, we've got reviews and previews of Super Rugby. And obviously, all through the week, every morning at 7 o'clock, we have the morning sports briefing to keep you up to date with the latest in what's happening in sport right across the board. And uh, if you tune in every every day at 7 o'clock, you'll get updated on what's happening. So once again, thank you for tuning in. It's been great. And we'll see you again here at 8 p.m. on a Thursday night on Swinging from the Hip and for your cricketing fix. Thank you. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.